Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, 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 hello. Happy Friday, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. Another Friday free talk. Hanging out with me. Hee <laughs> hee. What's up, you guys? We made it to the weekend. Happy Friday. This week has been super tough for me and pretty much everybody I know. This week has really been a doozy. I have cried multiple times this week. People I know have cried multiple times this week. Friends of mine have cried multiple times this week. This has just been a really hard week. I feel like if shit was going to hit the fan, it has happened this month. I feel like October 2020 has been literally one of the wildest months of this already really insane year. I mean, you know, I ended up in the ER just a couple weeks ago. Like, how bizarre. I've never been to the ER in my whole life. How crazy wild. And when I got in there, they basically were like, we're not sure what happened. Could be this, could be this, could be this. So, crazy wild 2020. I'm kind of getting over you. I'm ready for you to move on to someone different. I'll take I'll take 2021. Order up. All right, you guys. Today's episode is one that I'm really excited for, and it's also something that I wonder how many pregnant people actually know about what I'm going to share with you today. Now, I'm sharing with you about a tool that we use in birth, actually in late pregnancy, to help determine your readiness or your receptiveness to being induced, right? This is going to be a tool that providers use that will help them determine if you are a good candidate for induction, meaning if we induce you, do you have a high chance that we won't need very much to get your body to kind of go into natural labor? And is there a high chance that we can still have a safe vaginal delivery as long as that's your goal, right? Is there still a high chance that we can meet your birth goals even if we induce you. Now, 
This tool is called the Bishop Score. Now the original Bishop Score was developed by, well, none other than Dr. Bishop. <laughs> Go figure. He was an OBGYN and, and he developed this Bishop Score around 1964. And he based it on five different criteria. Dilation, which is how open your cervix is. Effacement, which is how soft your cervix is. Station of the baby, so how high or low your baby is in your pelvis. The position of your cervix, your cervix can actually point forward or backward or stay in this neutral-ish position. And then also the consistency of your cervix. Is it malleable? Can we move the cervix? Does it feel like it will be receptive to induction drugs? Now you'll be given a score of zero to three. Zero being not progress at all and three being that the cervix is showing favorable progress for each of these criteria. However, the highest score for the position and the consistency of the cervix is two. So you have five categories, three of them you can earn up to three points in, and two of them you can earn up to two points in. Now you'll be given this overall like bishop score which will indicate whether you're a good candidate for induction or not, and the highest score is 19. Anything over nine, nine or above actually so nine is included so anything over eight eight not being included or above is considered favorable for induction meaning that you know the numbers suggest that your body will be receptive to the induction drugs now some providers will use eight this is really going to be up to you this is really where your education and your um you know your responsibility as a consumer comes in we know that nine or above is considered favorable. So if you have a provider that says you're a seven or eight and they're like, yeah, but an induction might work for you, they probably aren't wrong, but you also aren't wrong in thinking that your cervix is not favorable when we're looking at the Bishop score, right? So I think you, you both are right. I, and I, I know that it comes down to you and, and your preferences and, and your birth goals. So if you have the goal to have an unmedicated, undisturbed labor, you and your baby are safe and you're not, you know, super eager for an induction and you have this lower number on the Bishop score, it's worth considering saying no. So there is one really fun study that I found, and it's a 2012 study, and I am going to link all of this in a blog for you. So you can go to blog.thebirthlounge.com and just type in Bishop Score, and you'll be able to find all the studies and the research that I'm talking about here. But this 2012 study actually used what, what they call a simplified Bishop Score, and they only considered effacement, dilation, and station of your baby, meaning that the two categories that you could only earn two points in, the position of your cervix and the consistency of your cervix, they did away with those. It showed similarly high predictive rates to the original Bishop score, meaning if you are favorable in those three out of the five, then you may be a great candidate for an induction if that aligns with your birth goals, right? Now, something that is made in 1964, there's obviously going to be trouble with that. There's obviously going to be problems that 
we find along the way. And so some of those, now some of those may make this tool um, a tool that you don't want to use. Interestingly enough, it's not really a great tool for people who have had a baby before. Since your body's already done this a time or two, your cervix can change on a dime. And so anyone's cervix can rapidly change, which is why, you know, this is kind of flawed in the beginning because even a first-time birthing person, their cervix can change rapidly. But anyway, a person who's already had a baby, they're more likely to have faster cervical change, making the Bishop score less reliable for second and third time parents, right? And if you had more babies than that, then I really don't think anything's going to predict your babies. Another problem is, and I kind of alluded to this before, but providers are not consistent in their expectations or the using of the Bishop score. So some use eight, some use nine. Um, you know, everyone has their different kind of definition of a favorable cervix. Some aren't even going to offer the Bishop score at all. And then every now and then with the most manipulative providers, you're going to find that they use eight or nine until they realize that the patient isn't actually that score. And then they're going to throw in, well, there is a simplified Bishop score and you meet the criteria for that, which is both confusing and infuriating and blatant manipulation. Um, don't tell me that you're going to measure me off of one tool and then when you find I don't meet the criteria, you're going to change it to a different tool to still try and get me to have an induction. It doesn't seem like you're inducing me for the right reasons at that point. You know, many women just feel very confused and they leave the hospital with more questions than they had and they aren't actually sure if they're a good candidate for induction. And then with induction, there's always that fear-based piece, right? Um, and then you're going to have people who sometimes just leave and they're absolutely furious with their provider for putting them in this position. So the best thing that you can really do here is just be an informed consumer. So what do you need to know as a consumer, right? As a pregnant person who might have to use this this score to help you make a decision. Well, first and foremost, you should understand that the reasons for medically necessary inductions are far and few between. And a lot of places that we see inductions happen are not evidence-based, right? Or we don't necessarily need an induction. There might be alternatives, but we know that in America, at least, inductions and C-sections in particular, those two things are big money makers and at the end of the day a hospital that maternity ward it's a business they have a bottom line too they have salaries to pay and um, money to make and so you as the consumer you understanding what is a medically necessity a necessary reason for induction that is going to be your biggest power here. It's going to be your, I was going to say secret weapon, but it's not a secret and it's not a weapon. It's literally just you doing research. It's not sneaky. It's not you against your doctor. You're just trying to be informed about the things that are going to happen and, and about things that you know other people have faced. And instead of getting in a situation and being deer in headlights, instead, you're going to be informed and prepared and learn from those people before you so that you can have your ideal labor. 
right? You have that responsibility to take control of your birth experience, and it starts with you being an informed consumer. Now, you need to know the evidence behind bogus reasons like big babies or advanced maternal age or late babies. Those things are not evidence-based. Again, head to that blog, blog blog.thebirthlounge.com, and type in the Bishop score. I'm going to show you all the research here. I'm giving it to you so that you can be that informed consumer, so that you can have your ideal label. Now, one place that's a little sticky that you need to be extra informed and like an extra, extra, um, you know, educated consumer is going to be gestational diabetes because it doesn't always mean you have to be induced that, you, you know, you're not like doom and gloom and I have to be induced. It doesn't also mean that you're going to have this ginormous baby. Um, I mean, we just had a little bitty old seven pound baby born to a gestational diabetes mama last week and and he's thriving and so is she right it doesn't always mean you're going to have this ginormous baby so just just make sure that you know the medically necessary reasons for an induction and for a c-section and that you don't get duped or tricked or scared into a decision when you know it's not evidence-based with that said gestational diabetes does sometimes require an induction and a think that there's a healthy respect to understanding to keep you and your baby safe, an induction might be best for you. Um, just make sure, again, that you're not you're not being faced with fear-based approaches. And if you are, A, you advocate for a different provider, or B, you stand your ground and you present them with the research that you know is evidence-based. And, and just understand that you have the final say about all the things that happen to your body. So there's also, I wanted to share with you, Oh, and I'll do a separate, I'll do a whole other podcast, uh, you know, with you. But there's another study um, to be aware of. And it's called the ARRIVE study. And it's it, it shares that at 39 weeks, it could be better to be induced than to wait for your labor to start spontaneously. Now, there are a couple things wrong with that. I'm not going to dive into this per se, um, like right now in this episode, because I'll do a whole separate episode for you about the ARRIVE study so that you can you can see whether it's right for you or not. I will tell you the people that it's applicable to are very, um, it's, it's a narrow applicant pool, if you will. So really understanding the ARRIVE study and whether it applies to you is going to be super important here. But there's also um, a 2006 study kind of older but it shares that if you have a positive bishop score and use a specific method of induction which is actually really nice because the arrive study doesn't do that that you may have um a better outcome of having a vaginal delivery and lower your chance of having a c-section now this study had 99 participants 47 first-time moms 52 who had already given birth. They didn't decipher whether it was like second, third, fourth time moms. And the median time of labor for the first time mom in this study was only 15.5 hours. Isn't that crazy? So again, these are people who have a positive Bishop score and they use this specific method of induction in this study. So just, again, go to the blog, blog.thebirthlaunch.com, type in the Bishop score, and you can see the study. Look at that protocol and see how it feels for you. For people who have already given birth, their median labor was 12.5 hours. 
Like, what? All right, just under half, about 20 out of 47 first-time moms got an epidural. And about a fifth, 11 out of 52 moms who had birth before got an epidural. So um, the epidural use was actually pretty low. Um, I, I think that says a lot. If you ask people about inductions, one of the things that almost everyone is going to tell you is that they needed an induction and they needed an epidural because of their induction because of the contractions that were made, right, by the medicine. Often Pitocin use causes contractions that are just incredibly strong and often much stronger than anyone really wants and sometimes can handle. Now this study had 16 total C-sections. Half of those, so eight, were due to fetal distress. There were eight first-time parents and eight parents who had already had a baby before. Now the remaining eight that we don't know or that we do know weren't fetal distress, we don't actually know what they were. They didn't they didn't ever clarify exactly what those remaining eight only that half of them were due to funky fetal heart tones and you know I think that's important to recognize too because that's often a thing that we hear with Pitocin use too is that your baby's heart rate just couldn't take it and that is often a cause of c-section it makes me wonder if we chose alternative ways to get oxytocin or alternative ways to manage Pitocin use how many c-sections could we prevent I believe it's a lot because in Four years of doing this work and over 200 births attended, I've only had 10 C-sections. And I believe a lot of that is how we manage our inductions because I think if we had not managed them in the control method way, I don't think they all would have turned out the way that they did. Now, 45% of those participants, I'm sorry, I'm still on this 2006 study, but I want you to know that if you do want to be induced and you have this positive Bishop score, it's worth considering that you have science saying to wait, but you also have science saying go for it. And that's beautiful as a consumer to know that no matter what you choose, you have science that says it's the right choice. I love that. So 45% of these participants were in labor after only one mesoprostol dose. So mesoprostol can be orally or vaginally. Go to Instagram and at the.birth.lounge. I just put up all the induction methods and what you need to know about them. Um, and I talk about the equations that you can you can kind of use them in. Now, that's 45%. Another 45%, so bringing us total to 90% of people, um, the, the rest of that 45%, they were in labor after only two doses. Okay? Now, this left only nine participants left, and seven of those needed three doses, so just one more dose, and then two of them needed four doses. That is... That's a lot of miso, but that also tells me that that's probably a cervix that is nowhere near ready. Um, okay, 11 newborns out of 99, they had a NICU stay. They had a NICU stay. So know that. I think that's important, too, that on the, on the other side of any induction, you are risking a NICU stay because we know that the start of labor is actually your baby's lung development that is what tells your body that you are ready to go into labor. In a standard, typical 
pregnancy and birth, right? That cannot be said for premature babies or, um, you know, births, labors that happen when the waters break unexpectedly a little bit too early. But in a typical standard straightforward pregnancy, it's really going to be your baby's lung development that initiates labor. So on the other side of induction, there's always going to be that risk, that heightened risk for a NICU stay. So here's the thing. This is a flawed tool, but it's the best thing that we have at the moment. And it does a pretty good job of indicating your body's readiness for a medical induction. This is definitely a tool to be aware of and to know about for your personal boundaries so that you know what you consider a good number to induce your body. And guess what? Just because eight or nine is what typically is expected, you know that 13 is the top number. Maybe you don't want to be induced unless you're an 11. You have every right. Maybe you want to choose 10, 12. Maybe you say, I'm only going to be induced if I score 100%. I'm 13 and that bishop score is telling me, girl, an induction is right for you. I'm not having it. So you have that right. It just... I think a lot of people don't realize that. So just know that. Know that you have the right to make that choice. Make that that call your own. Remember that consent is a discussion with your provider. Make sure that this is being done, especially around the topic of induction. Please, 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 please do not let your provider talk you into an induction that you have no idea why you're having an induction um, and you have no idea what the plan is or any of that jazz, okay? Now, if you're facing pressure from your provider, the ARRIVE study, um, it does say that you may lower your risk of a C-section if you have a 39-week induction. This 2012-2006 study is also going to share different perspectives. If you have a failed induction, please know that you're allowed to leave, and sometimes you'll even be sent home. If we go to induce you and your body is not ready, boom, we can only try so much Finally, if being induced is not aligned with your birth goals and you have a preference to wait, hold your ground. If you and your baby are safe, you have every right to say no, thank you. If you want to know more about how you can advocate for yourself, how you can make this birth plan, how you can learn about all of these options that you're going to need to know going into labor, or you want one-on-one coaching, you want that doula support, Head to thebirthlounge.com. You can join the Birth Lounge, our monthly membership. It's only $55 a month at the time of this recording. Or you can sign up for one-to-one packages. In the Birth Lounge, you can sign up for one-to-one packages at a steep discount and get both the membership and one-to-one coaching. It's all up to you. That's the beautiful thing is that you are totally in control here, and that is what I want for you. All right, guys, the Bishop score tells you... Your effacement, your dilation, the station of your baby, the position and consistency of your cervix, and all of that mixed together is going to tell you your readiness for induction. Yes, I love it. All right, guys, happy Friday. I hope that you have the best weekend ever. I am just coming off of an entire week of overnights, an entire week of births, and we're headed into this weekend filled with two more mamas going into labor. All right, guys, I've got a skedaddle to go catch some of these babies. Until next time, I'll see you Tuesday. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community, and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, 
share it with a friend, share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.